Hello and welcome to this episode of A Chat with Pat. On this episode, I welcome the wonderful Fabrizio Ette. Uh, Fabrizio is not only a wonderful tape teacher, educator, business consultant, but he's more also well known for his past time he spent um, as ex-co-owner of Gracie Jiu-Jitsu Gym in Smeaton Grange. Fab will let me know if I get that wrong in uh, announcing that. And also, he was a performance coach slash wrestling coach of Robert Whittaker, the former middleweight champ of the UFC, and it's one of Australia's finest combat athletes. We have a wonderful and great discussion, not just about MMA and mixed martial arts and the UFC, but we also talk about the importance teachers, um, the important roles that teachers play with kids and the relationships with their students, uh, the transferable skills between coaching and teaching that he learned about, and a whole bunch of other things. I loved and loved this episode. I hit it off with Fab. He's a great man. Um, if you want to learn more about him, please follow him on his Instagram. Um, he's got many great things in the works. Um, it was a joy to have him on the show. I hope you all really enjoy this one, guys. It is an all-out belter. You! Welcome to this episode of A Chat with Pat. I'm blessed to have Fabricio Ette on the podcast. Um, I am a Robert Whitaker fanboy, as most people close to me would know, and uh, I love your podcast, Grange TV. And thanks for giving up your time, Fab. No, man, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. <laughs> really appreciate the, the time. So, yeah, no, awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Awesome. How are you going? Anyways, I, I have to I'm, ask the question. How's things? Now yeah, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> I can't complain. Everything's going well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, especially in these current times. It's, um, I think Charlie makes the effort to ask people how actually they are going. But um, your background's quite impressive as well. You've you've done a fair bit, to say the least. Do you mind giving the listeners a bit of an insight about your resume, so to speak? Oh, I, I don't know that I've done anything <laughs> amazing, to be honest with you. Uh-huh. you know, like, I, I've always worked and coached in elite sport. I was a TAFE teacher for, still work at TAFE a little bit. But I was a TAFE teacher in sport and fitness for about 15 years. And um, I still still do some work um, with TAFE at the moment, but I'm doing some corporate type work at the moment with um, as far as like coaching and mentoring people in the corporate sector. And um, uh, yeah, I've coached and worked with heaps of elite athletes, different sporting teams and whatnot. And one of them is, of course, Rob, that, that, I, that I worked with most recently. Yeah. And what were some of the other, I guess, athletes you did work with in that space and coaching as well, maybe? Or, or teams? So I was involved with the national wrestling team for a long time. I ran a wrestling club out of uh, Southwest Sydney. We had quite successful. We had guys go to the Olympics, guys go medal, gold medal at the Commonwealth Games, uh, medal at, at heaps of like world juniors comps and stuff like that, youth Olympics, uh, youth Commonwealth Games. World Juniors, Martinetti Cup, like heaps of international comps. Um, and then worked with a few different NRL teams and 
different different um in educational capacities with uh, NRL teams. I set up programs in NRL teams with the military, the police, with uh, I don't know. They'll come to me a whole bunch of different stuff. <laughs> I'm not I'm not that good at, at like, sitting there talking about myself, man. I really don't. Hey, I'm a humble man. I don't know if I'm humble. It's just, it's just not me, man, to, yeah. to talk about it. Yeah, but yeah, exactly. I, I can understand. I'm, I'm a bit the same as well. Yeah, you get a bit. I get a bit different talking about myself and thinking, oh well, like I'm almost imposter syndrome. Almost, I can relate to that. It's like oh, I haven't done that much. I just kind of do what I like to do. And I guess you might be in the same boat. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Like so, I don't, I don't, you know, just try and do what I'm like. And if I'm lucky enough to be able to do it, I'm, I'm, I'm happy. You know what I mean? And so. I never really see it as um like I don't know I don't I don't think it's uh, I I don't know I'm just lucky to to get to do what I what I like yeah and that, that's that's all yeah. yeah and that's that's like a big thing that I think people do forget like too often I think nowadays people just kind of push away and do what like to be a sheep and do things that they you know that other people are doing and got caught up in the crowd instead of doing what they love and doing what makes them happy as well it's important thing. no absolutely for sure for sure for sure yeah um yeah no i'm, I'm just lucky man i've been very lucky it worked hard but very, very more than anything just lucky yeah um, with, with a lot of things yeah yeah and how how did you did you teach after coaching or was it teaching always there so no both the same like always yeah. It was one of those things where I've always been um, kind of, I always gravitated towards that type of stuff, that type of work. And um, I was coaching first, I think, and but going to uni. And uh, then after that, I got, a, I got a job teaching at TAFE. I was still uh, completing university at the time, but I was coaching as well. So I just always coached since probably about end of 2003. So I was probably about 23 years old. And I started coaching young younger guys, and then I kept that group through, and they went all the way, like all 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 the way as far as Commonwealth Games, Olympic Games, and you know, and now I, I, one or two of them are going to fight in MMA and that, and yeah, so it's I've always been involved in that. It wasn't ever like something that that I had to make a transition or, or something. I just always kind of did that. Um, even when I played sport, I was never really that good, you know what I mean? So I was always like, I was generally like the captain of the team or something like that, but I wasn't like the best player at all, like ever. Um, I was probably a little bit, maybe maybe a little bit more cerebral, I suppose, but um, has, like I, and probably in my, I was in my own head a lot. So I wasn't able to perform necessarily as well as some of the other guys that are just natural performers, you know? So I think that helps a lot as a coach when you you're able to see different things, you know, because like all those guys at the top end, they can, they might not be able to articulate how it is that they can perform at that level. Yeah. You know what I mean? But, but um, you from an outside perspective, if you have more of an analytical kind of cerebral look at it, whilst it might not be the best for performance, but it's definitely better for, for um, competing, for coaching. Yeah, I can definitely relate because I'm, I reckon I'm the same type of person as well. From the outside in, if I was looking at myself, I would probably see a whole different version of what I do for myself and for my head and being cerebral. Um, did you feel the skills between teaching and coaching kind of like interacted a bit? Like one helped the other and then teaching, because like, they're, they're quite transparent, I feel, personally. Yeah, 
Yeah, in in my opinion, there there isn't really a, a massive difference. You know, if yeah. you're a good coach, you're going to be a good teacher. The problem is, man, that you can go to, and this is unfortunately we're all teachers. You said you're a social worker. Yeah. Like mental health professionals probably in the same boat as far as like, you can go to university, finish your degree and go be a teacher, but it doesn't mean you're a teacher. It doesn't mean you're a good teacher. It yeah. doesn't mean you're a good mental health professional. Um, it just means you finish the course. And so what happens with that is all the teachers get put in that boat of that shit experience you had or that, that, that shit mental health worker that, that you dealt with. Mm -hmm. you know? And the reality is there's some very, very good people that didn't just go and do a degree. It's an actual vocation for them, you know? So, um, and I think it's probably less in coaching. Like you do get bad coaches and that, but generally most coaches are in there for a vocation because no coach is on good money when they start. There's no chance. Like there's no, everyone's going to start off unless, unless you get very lucky, I don't know, and you inherit a team or something, you know, but if not, you have to bring these people up from, if it's a co coaching, like what I did, you have to bring these guys up from when they're four or five years old, you know, and if you are coaching rugby league, for instance, you would have had to go through this whole ordeal to get an assistant job to, you know, blah, 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 until you're, you're actually the coach. So generally coaches are already by nature in, involved as a vocation. And if you're, if you work as a, as a teacher, you can just, you can just do the degree. And so that, and, and one other thing is there's such a massive push to quantify everything. So it takes away people that are really good administratively and really good at quantifying what they do they'll actually get the better marks at school. They'll get the better marks at uni, but they're not necessarily things that are transferable as far as being a good teacher or a good social worker. Whereas if we sit down now and like, say for example, you, you run a podcast, you, I've just met you now, but you're easy guy to talk to, et cetera. Those things are not, you don't mm. really get marked on them. Right. But yeah. to me, that's fucking 90% <laughs> of you being a good teacher or a good coach or good mental health professional. Mm is that ability to be put the other person at ease for you to be able to have a conversation with them you know yeah so that that's where i think yes they're almost identical the only problem is that a lot of teachers shouldn't be teaching and i think and, any job where you're dealing with people which is quite a bit i think it just gets so slid under the radar and i completely agree about actually just being a good person someone you could build that can build a rapport that can communicate and make someone feel comfortable and they can connect with i think that gets like you're saying it's swept under the rug so much nowadays it's just like you said quantifiable yeah they're not it's they're you know like the the things that are quantifiable in 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 at school is like uh, especially maths and maths is used as a massive indicator of early intelligence but the reality is like you're not there's so many other things that are more important like uh, like the ability to to network your ability to speak to other people your ability if you go out in the playground you know you if you go into the classroom you look at the kids that are going to do really well academically but a lot of times I, I feel that that's more indicative as well i mean they both are but a lot of that's indicative to their actual home life you yeah. know what i mean as opposed to this kid being a genius but let's say let's take that out of the equation you can go into a classroom and you'll see, oh, this kid's good at maths, this kid, blah, blah, blah. They're all cool. But if you go out in the playground, you're going to see that there's like one or two kids in there that they might not be the smartest kid in the class, 
but they'll be the one that everyone goes to and goes, oh, what are we playing today, Pat? You know, and Pat will say, we're playing tips. We're going to play tips and we're going to play tips build-ups. And the last one that gets to the tree is going to be in and all the other kids will follow that kid, you know? And if that those skills to me are, are just as important, I'm not going to say more important, but just as important. And in some cases, more important, you know? And, and another thing is like, I just recently had a daughter. My daughter's about to turn one. And I was like, I learned a lot throughout the whole process, you know, my wife, when my wife was pregnant and my wife was going to give birth and this. One thing that I noticed is like, we, we medicalized so many things involved in that process. Like the baby's going to be fucking born when it's born. Like, let's say that without any medical complications, that baby's going to be born. It's not going to, it's not, it doesn't need a doctor. It doesn't need anyone else. Like, Yes, it's great. I'm saying it's amazing. We live in the first world. I'm very happy for it, but the baby's going to be born. Yeah. The, the doctor did not, or the midwife did not make the baby be born. That baby was going to be born. Further to that, my daughter learns so much more when she plays with my niece, just playing with my niece who's a couple of years older and she's just learning stuff by osmosis than if I sit down with her and say, you're going to learn these words and you're going to learn this. She, it's, it's not the same. But all of those things are things that are hard to quantify. You know what I mean? All those things that I just said. So we have a problem kind of with that. So as far as like uh, the coaching and the teaching and all that stuff, I think there's a lot of skills that just people don't, that it, it, they, they, people can't wrap their head around it. So yeah, not all the teachers are going to be good coaches, you know, just yeah. based on that. Yeah, exactly right. And when, when, as being a coach, did you ever have to learn, or teacher, did you ever have to learn along the way these things? Like, were you always just that? It seems to be, like you said, I'm quite comfortable talking to you and open. Did you almost have to learn to mold yourself into being a people person a bit more instead of, you know, probably strategically more teacher or more of a coach or, you know, wise? Did you have to break away from that mold or were you always felt like you were like that? Pat? I, I've always felt like I have good, like, communication, but... One thing is I'm, I am, my skill set, and it's only later on that I really realized it. My skill set is like of an extrovert, but my personality is of an introvert, right? So I don't, I, although it's ironic because I have a podcast and everything, blah, blah, blah. But one of the reasons I have a podcast is because I, I don't, I can't sell myself on social media. I can't put all those things. So I've got to have a, an avenue, especially in today's day and age, of a long form way of me being able to say this is who i am mm. i don't know if that makes sense I agree. As, yeah. yeah and as far as me being able to be um did i have to yeah I, but even whilst i still had normal like i had my own skills and my own advantages with those skills but there was you know it's still to, to still until today and forever more like there's yeah i've had to train myself and um, learn and continue to learn and continue to self-evaluate and reassess my um, my strengths and my weaknesses. You yeah. know, and like, and and you have to, as I got an older as well. Like, I started to understand more stuff, like in regards to your mental health, in regards to things like, um, you know, like CBT and yeah, um, MI DBT, and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, and DBT as well, and starting to to understand like how to like how to steal the chatter in my own mind and you start to go man like the way you spoke then or the way you did this or when that happens 
you can't you can't act like that but sometimes it's not even what i'm saying to people it's <laughs> yeah. what i'm thinking do you know what i mean like um the way something might affect me or whatever so so yeah so you're always always constantly learning one big thing about coaching and teaching i think is you get older but the people you deal with stay the same age do you know what i mean yeah so yeah. and it and it has advantages but it has disadvantages too you know so that that's something and it really started to become apparent to me probably after 30 something after 33 34 32 33 34 when i started to realize like i'm getting older you know that's when i really started yeah. okay, I'm getting older and the people i'm dealing with are still 18 19 yeah. 20 and so on like yeah. they've still got that time where they've got to learn their own shit like they've got to go through their own process and system like yeah yeah, that, yeah they do but 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 it's also you just like you're just you're just starting to to really see like it's the same people there's the same guy that comes in that sits in the back there's the same girl that comes here that's not paying attention there's a <laughs> you know you yeah. you know you know you go oh these two are going to be dating by the end of the semester like it's it's the same every time and 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 with the athletes as well it's the same and, and it's exactly what you said you got to let people sometimes make their own mistakes, mm -hmm. even though it's just so fucking obvious. But then I think with my parents, I'm 40 now, right? But my parents, my dad's 81 and my mom's 71. They would be looking at me going, I fucking told you, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, to be honest, I'd look at that. My friends are the same age as me. <laughs> I can't go through that with them. And like, sometimes they got to go through, we all got those experiences and trial and error, which is pretty much what we're talking about. You've got to learn that. You've got to go through that. And as a parent, that adds a whole different dynamic to it because like, you probably could imagine, do I let my child go through this or, and what they're going to learn from it? This is all data. Yeah, and things are going to learn. No, 100% agree. I 100% agree with that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and um, so yeah, as we talked about before, you you head high performance coach Rob Robbie Whitaker, the uh, biracial angel. You like to call him <laughs> on Grange TV. <laughs> yeah. Um, when, what was it like? How what was your first encounter with Rob, and how did that all begin? I I was coaching at a gym called TP Gym, owned by Alex Prates and Bernardo Treco. Um, but so I had my own gyms at the time like I, I actually had my own mat it was run out of the pcyc but uh i stopped doing that and my friend gordian stojevsky took over he's now the head grappling coach at the ufc gym bankstown oh. but he took over from there and i started coaching with alex and uh treco at the time for a little bit and uh rob came in to the gym one day because i think i don't know exactly why he came, came in but, but he came in and, you know, we just started, he just did my class, I think once a week. And then we just started talking and we kind of connected. And then we just started working together more and more and more. And then it was the same thing. Like at TAFE, primarily what my job is, is like to create, to identify skill gaps and then create scaffolding around that from an educational perspective, you know, and, and with Rob, like he could always fight. That's not anything that he could always fight. There was never anything. No one taught Rob to fight. You know what I mean? It wasn't like yeah. he couldn't fight. He, he, the same way that you and I have our skills, his skill is to fight. Like he could always fight. Now, did he have to learn more skills to be more proficient at his art? The same way you or I do. 
the same way, like I was telling you off camera, I'm probably going to go and do a postgraduate degree now. Um, yeah, like, yeah, of course he did, you know, but the basis to what he is, he was always there. No one taught that. Um, I mean, he had great coaches. He had Henry Perez for a long time. Uh, yeah. um, you know, he, he, he had all those guys, of course, taught him how to fight, of course, taught him different skills, but Rob could always fight, you know, um, and I think then he and I started working together and we worked together for about seven years from there on in, in different capacities until right now at the end, uh, after this Israel fight. Yeah. And then was it happy at the start? I mean, I'm sure you probably have to do a little time as a coach identifying, you know, those scaffolds, you know, was it hard for you just to have that and to develop that relationship and that trust where you're like, look, Rob, you've got to, I don't know, improve improve your boxing or what whatnot. Was it hard at the start? Yeah, but but not not really because like to me it's not that hard because I don't like I don't see them any of the athletes or anything that I've worked with like big big name people which yeah. I'm not I'm not gonna put them out now because sometimes it's not what they want people to hear, you know what I mean? But it's not really that hard because to me I don't see them as oh this i just see them as a guy that that's like one of my cert three students because they're, they're only young guys that just happens to have won the genetic lottery and can run faster than most people but i don't see them as some sort of like godlike being that everyone has to oh my god this guy you know what i mean so i don't first i don't see it and second like i said earlier the same things that you see in your students time and time and time again, it's the same thing you see in your athletes because yeah. it's not new, you know what I mean? So with Rob, it wasn't so much, oh my God, Rob, you need to learn a box. My God, Rob, Rob, because that's easy. Anyone could do that. There was just a whole bunch of other stuff that you could identify almost immediately. Gaining the person's trust, again, I'm not the type of person that's ever going to say, oh, Pat, come and train with me because I'll do this for you, da, da, da. Mm -hmm. We're either going to click and no. build trust organically or we're not, you know what I mean? And that that's all it was. So I never, it was never like, like hard because I was never out there trying to manipulate him in a, you know, you, you know what I mean? Like I've mm. always been okay. He, and I never really wanted to like, I never, we'll I wasn't like, what's that? Like push it, push that relationship where it's like if this is organically working, it's gonna work, and if it's not, it's not. Yeah, but I honestly wasn't even conscious to that level because it's not something that that I was. It's just what I do, you know what I mean? It's just what I do. So, for example, now I'm working with a with a company, um, and I'm doing some corporate training with them and and whatnot, and. It, it isn't like the, the people are like accounting, finance guys and everything. And they're young guys, 22, 23 years old. Guys, gender neutral term, guys and girls in that age. And it's the same. It's There's no difference, man. It's exactly the same thing. Some of these, some most of these guys that are, that are, that are working with now, they're all people that have gotten really high marks in the HSC, really high marks all through university. They're prodigies, you know, yeah. and and then, but now they're in the real world, and some of that scaffolding is what do I have to teach them? I just have to teach them that, dude. You know, all that stuff that you did, nobody gives a fuck. Mm. 
Nobody cares now. Especially now, after uni. Like after uni, I, I realised that when in the workforce, you know, I want to you know, quickly realise those networks you make in the workforce, they set you up for other jobs and other opportunities. Yeah. Nobody cares. You know what I mean? So, <laughs> so that, that, like when you ask me that, that's like one of the big lessons that these guys are learning, you know? And like when, when the boss says, be here at nine o'clock, he means, dude, be here 8.20, 8.15, ready to go, have all your work done, have everything ready to go. Because when he comes around and asks you a question, you better have the answer at nine o'clock. You know what I mean? Or if a client rings at nine o'clock and that client's worth, I don't know, bucket loads of dozens of dollars, I don't know, <laughs> worth a lot of money, they don't give a shit. They don't care that you caught the train late, you had an argument with your girlfriend on the way. Nobody gives a shit. Yeah, no one cares. You know that. what I mean? So that that stuff I think is is a lot of the stuff I'm working with now and it seems really basic, really simple, but it's that that transition to 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 stuff, you know? Um and so even when you're asking me about Rob, most of the stuff is not even about fighting because he could always fight. And my mum would be able to work out, oh, what are the main skills at MMA, boxing, wrestling, <laughs> jujitsu, kickboxing? Maybe you should do more. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's, not, it's not that hard to work that one out. Um, but there's other things that are generally going to be um, impeding your success. And it's not going to be who's holding the pads for you. Yeah. And people forget about that. Like, and it's, if we're just talking MMA, but everything around, look, you know, that it's only the product when you come to work of all the shit that you've done behind the scenes. Like everyone just think, Oh, he fought a fucking shit fight or he put up a shit portfolio or he had a shit consult. Well, maybe that day he was up till 6am with other shit at home or, or, you know, other things like that. People so quickly forget about that in handling Shit. And the, well, the thing is, nobody cares, though, man. Yeah, not, yeah, as well. And, and, yeah. and the reality is, it, it isn't their problem. Yeah, you get what I mean. Like, like that's that's the deal. Is like uh, sometimes when I do my podcast, I have to do only time someone can do it is at ten a.m. California time is mm. two a.m. for me. And if you badly want to make it work, you make it. You, you have it. to do yeah. it, man. Exactly. And and at the end of the day, if you're watching the podcast you don't give a shit. You don't care. Like the other day we did a fight companion and I actually had to go and do some work at, um, in the city. I live on the South coast. So probably an hour and a half, two hours away. And I had to get up at 4am to do the, the, the fight companion, but I didn't get home till three. (laughs) You know what I mean? And so I did the, the fight companion, everything, da, 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 da. Eloy who does it with me, he lives an hour and a half west from me. So he got here at 4 a.m. So what time did he have to get up? Like at whatever time, you know, to get here. And we we both can't be sitting there moping and saying, oh, my God, look how early we had to get up. Like nobody cares, man. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. Nobody cares. So, so like there's a place. I'm not saying I don't care about people. There's a place for you and I to sit down and go, all right, Tell me, Pat, what's going on? Da da da. You having problems? So with these young guys, I will mentor them. I will speak to them. Say, so you know what's happening, what's going on, what are you having problems with? That's the place for you to tell me what's going on, to have a conversation, to have that thing, and to put things mm-hmm. in place. Not five minutes before you have a presentation, 
with a fucking <laughs> yeah. CEO of Commonwealth Bank and you decide that you fucking didn't do the work because yeah. you, you know, your dog was having irritable bowel syndrome. No. Yeah, yeah I completely agree. Like the result, you know, it's the makeup of the work you put in either way you like it or not. If you're like you said, the portfolio. If you haven't put the work in, it's going to be a shit portfolio. Like, yeah, 100%. and that's the reality. Like, no matter what, if you're training half-assed in the gym, you're going to get half-assed results. You're not going to get the body you want or the result that you want. Like, it's uh, it's people try to sugarcoat it and like get all scientific with the process and the systems, but you're not put in the work. It's plain and simple. It's not going to result. <laughs> easy, man. But then if you say it's too easy, people would think, nah, nah, you got to do this and this. But yeah, we were saying before um, about how you have to, you know, it's a time and place. Okay, what are you struggling along with? Can you pick that out sometimes? Because you seem like quite a, you know, intuitive bloke. And I could imagine you might have some, a sixth sense sometimes, like this kid's not performing that well or something might be up. Do you generally pick up on those things? Yeah, but, but it's hard, man. It, yeah. You know, like you might pick up on it and you might think it or you might see it, but there's so many other factors, man. Like this, don't, don't forget, dude, like you're, you're 22 years old. You make the NRL, right? You kid that grew up in a lower socioeconomic situation. You, maybe your parents combined earned 80 grand a year, right? That's an income that was coming into your household. And there's people who earn a lot less, but I'm just giving you this example. Now you're 22, you're a gun football player, you sign on and now you're on 150 grand a year, right? That's more money than your family can con comprehend. That's more money than both your parents combined. That allows you to drive a nice car, put a deposit in a house, move your parents out of the suburbs that they were in. And now all of a sudden, there's a huge amount of pressure on you, but there's also like a, a power exchange that, that occurred because you, you are now 22 years old, but you're the main breadwinner. You're the da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And then all around you, people are seeing you. Then you get another sponsor and this and that. So maybe all up, you might be on around 200 grand a year, 22 years old no idea about money and the people around you have no no idea about money so whilst i can see clearly where this is going to go it's very hard for you to see it and it's very hard for the people around you to see it and those people even if they mean well will probably end up sabotaging you because they can't they can't they're see they're there for the wrong reasons like no not necessarily like that. your mom and dad might not be there uh, for the wrong reasons yeah but like, let's say, for example, you're, you're paying your manager 10% or 20% or whatever the fuck, whatever arrangement you have, right? But if, I'm, if I don't have any concept of money and I'm watching this, somebody taking 30, 40, 50, 60, 80 grand a year from my son, 100 grand a year, and I have no concept of what that person's doing, that, that in and of itself is hard. You know, especially dealing if you're dealing with a really young guy, guy or girl that that has you know kicked on. I see that heaps, man. I see yeah. that with um, young footballers, man. We've had situations where people that um, I don't want to talk about it too much because there's people they'll know, like out of respect for people, you know yeah. what I mean. But yeah. but I've I've had situations and worked with people, known people that you know have. Uh, it has led to suicide or suicide attempts, you know, because there's so much pressure on a young guy. And um, 
it goes exactly in a situation like the one I said, and yeah. you're just watching it. And I can't, I can't say the parents didn't mean well. The parents meant well. They just don't. They weren't given that skill. Like they were never. Yeah, they, they were never. They don't have that skill. Yeah. yeah, they don't have that skill. You know, and and the kid just feels like a huge amount of pressure, mm. and and it's also hard to explain to them, like, dude, like that money is not that much money because it your career can be over tomorrow you know what i mean yeah. so those things whilst you can see them they have like they're, they're very hard to to have those conversations with you know what i mean yeah yeah have yeah. you ever had to have those difficult conversations like you talk about within your gym like about people look i just don't think you fit the culture here or i just don't think you're good enough or yeah like generally yeah anything like that not good enough well, that's like as well in, i don't like, have the gyms yeah, I don't yeah have the gyms I, anymore yeah. Yeah. I sold the gyms. Oh, when when um, you had the gyms, yeah. I um like someone wants to be in the fight team, you mean? Yeah, like in the gyms when you own it, when you did own the gyms, what did you think like or maybe like culture, I'm talking more gym culture wise, and they may not have fitted it and they'll do more damage than what they but, were there but for. But there's two things, like there's the fight yeah. team and then yeah. there's gen pop. Yeah. So you're talking about people who want to be in the fight team? In in the fight that- team, in the fight team. Uh, generally what, what you, what I did anyways, I can only speak for, for what it was at the time. Um, I'm not, I'm not involved anymore. I probably, I'd imagine it'll probably still be the same, but I I don't, I don't know. But when you have rules in place and they're very strict rules and you have a whole bunch of rules and you like, and you create a culture and you allow the guys to create a culture in, in the gym or in the workplace, um, it doesn't it doesn't allow for it, it self polices. So people, yeah. you, you don't have to go in and say, Hey dude, you don't fit in here. Cause people are going to walk in and it, it, it's not what they're after. You know what I mean? They're, they're going to work that out themselves yeah. and quickly. Yeah. They quickly realize that, Oh, this, oh, I don't fit in. Here. Oh, it doesn't work for me. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that's, that's across the board now. Like say, for example, when we work in the corporate sector and that now, like it's the same thing. Like you, we, with a company, you, you want to have your staff, you know, the people around you be able to set the culture, set the rules so that the accountability lies with them and not with the, the, the boss, so to speak. And it's the yeah. boss telling you what to do. It's more the other staff have set a culture and they're accountable for it and they're accountable to each other. But that can't happen in a way that it's like, that it's dicky, you know, that it's with like, yeah. oh, in the culture, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. it, it can't be like that, but, but um, it's very, you know, you have to believe in that. Like you have to believe in what you're doing and you have to believe in your staff and you have to recruit the right people. people. And once you recruit the right people, you have to look after them properly. That's your role as a leader, yeah. not you to fucking be a dickhead you're not there to exercise i've worked with so many shit bosses too man. you're not there to exercise your power you know look how tough i am you're there to create avenues for these guys to succeed and to create uh, a team environment where this is the other thing is like people have a common goal as a team they don't have five six ten whatever it is individual mm. goals no. so it's not like you and me working here and you're like oh fuck i want to work here because i want to buy a house and i'm there because 
I have a crush on the secretary. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like they're both powerful goals, but it's not going to do anything for the team in the short run. It will keep you there because you've got to buy your house and I have my own goals, but long-term there's no goals. Like I, I, different. If you say to me, we are working for a company that you, you say you're a social worker, we're working mm. for a company that their goal is to provide mental health work for people in remote communities. We're both really passionate about that. We want to make sure that we're the number one mental health provider for remote communities. Now we're intrinsically motivated. We're all following the same goal. And if we have a, a leader that can push that and want us to be the best, maybe offering us better training to pay for our um, postgraduate studies, to give us opportunities, blah, blah, blah. Then that creates a really good environment, creates a really strong team that's heading towards a common goal. You common know what goal. I mean? Yeah. And, yeah. and they're the things you try and create, but yeah. it's hard work, man. Oh, that's real hard work. It definitely would. Managing people and, you know, like having a shit boss or a shit leader is just so, you know, like you said, it gets so hard sometimes. <laughs> Very hard, man. Yeah. Very hard. I've had, I've had um, in, in different scenarios, yeah, just bad situations like that. And, you know, sometimes, sometimes you're, you're, you, you make mistakes and you're the bad guy, you know what I mean? And that's another thing that people, because when you tell the story, you tell the story like you're a fucking champion every single time and you're not, you know what I mean? Like you're fucking not. Sometimes you make a mistake or whatever, but overall, you, if you're trying to do that, then yeah. Another thing is, man, not always like, because, you know, you, you, you have people on the podcast, you, you probably have this as well. Um, and you have an idea of this person meant to be like a really good guy and this and that. And you're talking to him and you realize like this, it's all bullshit, mate. This, you, you're actually a fucking dickhead. <laughs> but the, the thing that you're doing is you're projecting all of that stuff. You're projecting yes. a really good guy. You're projecting all of this, but you realize like this person's not who I thought he was. And that's in everyday life too. People that you run into 100%. and social media projects that even more as well. I'll tell you something else that I've learned then is not always like sometimes the guy that's not sometimes, I think a lot of the times the, the nice guy, the guy that you had down is like, this guy's a nice guy, blah, 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 blah. He's not actually a nice guy. And guys that you had down is like a bit of a sourpuss, not the nicest guy, blah, blah. You're like, no, no. When this guy says red, he means red. And when he says yellow, he means yellow. This guy is saying red to your face. <laughs> going and painting the fence fucking blue you know what i mean yeah. they're, they're they're things you learn as well like you know and you when you create that culture is like it's hard because you have people working for you that are extremely manipulative as well and they're used to to doing that but they're no good in the team environment but they'll be really good to you so yeah. you also can't do the oh they were good to me that's what i judge no because if you're the boss everyone's going to be good to you yeah, exactly. you get what I mean. So yeah. you're looking at how are people with each other? How are people with the lady that sells coffee up the road? You know what I mean? Because you're, if you're the boss and you're just going to judge it on how people treat you, then that's pretty <laughs> shit. Because everyone's going to treat you treat good. You well. you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. Everyone's doing yeah. that job. That's exactly right. And yeah, yeah. And it, like I said, it's same in everyday life and um, people that you run into. And like, is this person really good for me? And like social media projects that as well like people that put that highlight reel and it's like you know they're a good guy but really are they doing it for the right reasons 
<laughs> man, I don't even post a lot of stuff. On <laughs> media. Yeah. And I'll tell you something. <clears throat> I was looking, you know, during COVID. Yeah. <clears throat> I was lucky I didn't have it that bad, but it wasn't that easy either. Yeah. <clears throat> but still, when you post, a, when I put a post up, I probably put five posts up this year. And four of them were about, because I live near the beach and I was with my water and with my daughter. And um, that's what I posted. And so it looks like that's all Fab does is surf and go to the beach. Yeah. <laughs> you also, <laughs> I, I don't post the part where I'm fucking sitting at home going, fuck, what are we going to do? We're in lockdown. How bad is this thing going to be? You know what I mean? Like mm. you don't post the shit about Hey, you might wake up at three o'clock one morning and be worrying about it. Like thinking, yeah. what's going to happen to my business and shit like that. Yeah. No, yeah. I'll post that to that, that, that real stuff. And that, yeah, exactly right. Like, um, in, yeah, it's so much like that, that guy that's getting after it or that person that's lost a heap of weight, you know, they don't know the other shit that's going on behind the scenes. No. No, another door, another door. Now, how'd you, um, you didn't go over to Fight Island, did you, Fab? because no i i haven't worked with rob Mm. and those guys since maybe february yeah so i have nothing nothing to do with a team or anything like that yeah i sold the gyms both gyms to them um and and yeah like that we all went our separate ways i might have to write on the caption bit your ex-co-owner of gange smeaton is that the one the gracie Gracie yeah. Smith Grange. Yeah, Gracie yeah. Smith Grange, yeah. But, um, yeah. I mean, and uh, Gracie Atama and Gracie yeah. Atama. Yeah. yeah, I guess from an, as I was going with that, from an objective view, how did you see beforehand that till fight going? Was it as you thought it would? or Because that was a chess match. That was an absolute chess match, that one. I I don't think anyone really... They might Somebody might catch him, but I don't think yeah. anyone really can beat Rob. In, in the middleweight division mm. not can beat they can beat him yeah. but i don't think anyone like they have to catch him knock him out catch him but i don't see anyone out fighting him um i didn't think tilt was going to beat him not because i don't think tilt's good i think tilt's very good but i i i me personally i didn't see it as a massive chess match i i didn't really see yeah. till outside of him catching him early that elbow yeah, I didn't see till outside of catching Rob. I didn't see till I, I didn't think till was going to beat him, man. Like I just mm-hmm. like as I'm watching it, like there was nothing that came to you that you no 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 till was going no no. Yeah. I, I'm not going to say to you, oh, I didn't fucking till's not dangerous. <laughs> like no, he's he's fucking dangerous and he's very 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 good, super dangerous and that. But in in my opinion, like I had Rob always like a little bit ahead of till mm. it was like till was a little bit reactive to rob yeah a little bit reactive to his feints a little bit reactive to rob's speed a little bit reactive to rob's distance a little bit reactive to rob's attacks rob has a little bit more of a vocabulary of strikes more varied arsenal with his offensive grappling and his thing and and the other thing that people don't understand until he's in there, they're in there with him. And I said this about the Cannonier fight on the podcast. Oh. And people are like, no, you know the fucking thing is Rob's, physic- <laughs> Rob's physicality. And people mm. don't understand. He's probably the biggest middleweight 
right up there with, with some of the, the big, big guys in there. Nobody will outmuscle him in that division. Um, and when I said that about the Cannonier, people were like, no, because Cannonier, dude, he fought prime Romero. Romero didn't outmuscle him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, he fought a prime Brunson. Brunson didn't outmuscle him. He nah. fought a prime Jacare. Jacare didn't outmuscle him. Nah. And Jacare um, looked big. Like Jack, Jacare and Jacare was a fucking alien. <laughs> like Jacare and Romero. Like if you had 10 rounds of Romero, like fuck. Like that's a war in itself. And yeah, it, man. it just shows what you're saying about Rob. So, so yeah, I, I, I didn't think, um, I, I just saw that Till was a little bit reactive. Now, when I, when I say that, it's, it's milliseconds, right? Milli, milliseconds. And there's not much in it. That isn't to say that if there isn't a rematch and now Till has gotten, okay, that, because Rob's distance is just outside of where you normally fight. And then his ability to cover that ground is very, very fast. And then his ability to cover that ground. So now he's got you fainting and he's got you moving on in this plane, right? But he can also go up and down as well because he can also shoot a double leg. He can also kick high. So you've got your, you're reacting on a lot of different fronts. And uh, I don't know that Till, I'm sure Till was ready for it in theory, but he wasn't ready for it. In experience. Yeah. Same, yeah. like. There's people like Romero's another guy. You can train for him, but especially when, when he was prime Romero, when he was prime Romero, like you could not train for when he'd, when he'd come in and then he'd change levels and he changes levels so quickly. So quickly, but, yeah. Yeah, he'd be in front of you and then he'd, he'd be, he'd change levels and he's disappeared, grabbed your legs, you know. Um, Israel's another guy. You can train oh. for him, but he's very long. He's very, very long, very big. He's a very big guy, you know. I was Again, there some... at that one. Yeah. 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 Well, yeah. you know, you, you can he, see. Yeah. He's a big guy, dude. And I've said that fucking how many times in on the podcast? And people are like, no, he's not. He could. He's going up. He's going to go up and fight at light heavyweight. Yeah, I guess big guy. I guess fucking retards. He's a big guy, you know. And um, man, that's one of the things. Like when I shook Israel's hand, I spoke to Israel um, a couple of times, and one of the things that's strikes me straight off the bat he was one of the more physically imposing guys that i've seen and i've met in that division um and that's saying something you know like it's not like romero is a big guy but he's not he's he's not massive he's yeah. fucking huge like big like Bro. this but he's not massive like tiago santos when he was at middleweight i saw him and i thought like like i didn't even recognize him that's how hard the weight cut was I'm, I swear to God, um, Anthony Smith at yeah. middleweight, fucking huge. Uh, but Israel looked big as well. Like when I first time I actually like talked to him in person, I shook his hand. His hands was like a bunch of bananas, you know, they're fucking massive. And uh, just like a big guy, like you have to, you're looking up at him, you know what I mean? Big shoulders, like tall, big, big dude, you know? Like he's built like a basketball player, but yeah, you know, you know, if you see Stephen Curry on TV, yeah, they're big so much bigger. He's six two, six one, like, and that's still big. That's about. I think he's bigger. I think he's like six three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so when you're watching him, you're like, oh, the little guy on the Golden State Warriors. If you met Steph Curry in real life, you'd be like, you'd be looking up at him. You'd go, fuck, this guy's a big dude. You know, like for a normal person, he'd have big hands, long arms, 
tall, broad-shouldered. You know, they're big guys, man. And Israel's a big dude. Yeah. So there's there's certain guys there that have real physical attributes that are that that throw you off. And Rob is definitely one of those guys. And that's he's 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 stupid strong, like stupid, stupid, stupid yeah. strong. He'd be one of the strongest guys in that division for sure, hands down. And his ability to cover speed. His speed. Yeah, is a bit sorry. His ability to cover distance at speed is huge. And he's got, he's got. Um, you notice his speed and his striking, um, especially against Jacare. I think where, where that that one-two high kick. That, that comes yeah. so quickly, and then Jacare's striking, which is obviously not as good as his ground game, um, just compared to Rob, was just that almost made look like Rob's speed. It put it on pedestal even more, if that makes sense. That striking and just that movement. I think the one yeah. you're thinking about is uh, Tavares when he fought Rob. Ah, Tavares. Yeah, Tavares. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Sorry, that was a yeah. Tavares one where he he did the the front kick to left hook yes. to left yeah. hook again. He doubled yeah. up on the left hook. And um, Tavares no slouch, man. I, I like nah, Tavares a lot. He's been in wars. He's been in wars. He has. Yeah. He's fought everybody. Yeah. He was on my podcast. He was on yeah, my he podcast. Yeah, he was too. Yeah. Tavares, yeah. yeah. He's a champion and I, I like him a lot. Um, Rob's hand speed's quick, but there's probably guys with faster hands. I'd say Gaslam has faster hands than Rob. Yeah. But, but Rob's a real X factor is his ability to go from point A to point B and cut that distance from a, from a from a from a distance that you thought was further out than what he like he's he is further out but now he cut covers that distance so quickly and he covers that distance threefold you know in three planes so in front up and down and then like kind of over and to the side with his kicks so even if you move back and you think okay I'm out of range the kicks come or the, you know, it's hard. Yeah. Israel, Israel did a good job with the check hooks, but even then, man, like an awful credit to Israel, but there was like millimeters in those shots. Do you get what I mean? Like they were yeah. millimeters. If you look at the end of the fight, Israel leaned back and caught Rob. Yeah. With that. And the punch was coming as well. Like there's millimeters and, yeah. and credit to Israel, man, he got it right, but there's not, that's what I mean. Like when people ask me before the fight, what do I think? Like, I think that fight is 50-50 most times between those two guys. Um, they hit so hard and that's the, the tail of the tape for them. You know, they hit really, really hard. They both rely, both of them rely on their reflexes and both of them rely on their physical ability to get in and out of the way. Yeah. And when they fight each other, one of them is going to, Zig, when it should have zagged, is going to catch a little bit late. They're going to catch it instead of catching it here and rolling with it. You'll catch it right here and it'll be over. Yeah. And unfortunately, as a Rob fan, it was Rob this time. But if you watch the fight objectively, then you know that there was like millimeters in it. If you want to watch it in a different way and shit on people and be a hater then say shit on whoever you want but it, it wasn't like that even people that understand it understand that there's not if rob had caught him a little bit better then great he would have won but that's not how life happens and israel caught him and congratulations to israel he came in he executed he won man and 
he got robbed with some really good check hooks and that's that's the game man that's, and that's, that's what it is that's fight math as well and like style makes fights i believe like you can beat one guy in this day and this other guy could beat the guy that you just lost to but you could beat that guy like 100 it's, oh, it's, it, it's so crazy especially in the ufc where they're all these dimensions dude i'll tell you something else not only is that with fight mats you might be able to beat me only two times mm. out of ten but the time we fight you beat me and then the time we rematch you beat me again yeah yeah exactly right that's just how and then we train together <laughs> we train together in the gym eight more times and i tap you and nobody gives a shit yeah exactly you know right. what and i it, mean so and it shows you how good gaslam is with that izzy fight how close he was like no izzy caught him it just shows how good he was and how close he was against Izzy. And now he's lost, what, two or three in a row. Dude, you saw that. Then you see Hermanson. Hermanson yeah. lost the cannon, yeah. And now you have Hermanson and Till going to fight. That's going to be a good fight. Um, I'm really looking forward to yeah, that. Yeah, who do you think will... How do you think they'll pan out? I think Hermanson might do it. I think he's... Uh, he's got he's got a thing that I haven't seen for a long time since probably... Since Jacare, I'd say. Um, he's a guy that can shoot and from the shot do what he ha happened with Gastelum. He can transition straight away into a submission and get up and keep going. Um, Till's very savvy and Till's going to be looking for it. He's going to be looking for that uppercut. He's going to be looking for that knee. But um, I think Hermanson is long enough and strong enough to be able to, 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 get, to get that job done, I think. I was very impressed with him. I was impressed with him in the Cannonier fight. Just because somebody loses doesn't mean doesn't that mean, shit, yeah. dude. Oh, they know? didn't perform well. Yeah. Fuck, people. <laughs> I swear to God, people are like, yeah, he fucking, he rushed it against Cannonier and Cannonier caught him. I think he was having his way with Cannonier on the ground. You know, he took him down, belly to back, suplexed him. I don't know if you think that Cannonier looks like an easy guy to belly to back suplex. Yeah, no. Nah. Doesn't, it doesn't that's, look like that. That photo me. with him and Rob. He just looks again like big. Like any sport at three different weight divisions. Like yeah. too heavier. Like you he's can't say he's got, yeah, you can't say it's an easy thing to do. No, no, no. He so so Cannonier impressed me in that. Uh, not Cannonier. Cannonier did as well, but Hermanson impressed me just in the fact that he was able to to follow that through, you know what I mean? And and keep keep going with his game plan. So I think he might be able to do that with Till. He might be able to get Till down. He might be able to he impressed me a lot. And then against Gastelum, he went in for that kind of double leg, kind of body lock thing. Gastelum reversed that into a lateral drop. And then from the bottom, he went in a heel hook after heel hook and he caught him, you know. And that is one of the X factors, I think, with a guy like Hermanson that not a lot of guys have. He can shoot a double leg and turn that into a heel hook. He can, you know, he'll go for his guillotines and he'll go for his guillotines from anywhere against anyone. He went for the guillotine against Jacare, and if that wasn't Jacare, like that, it would have yeah, been all over. Out. Yeah, yeah. So there's not many guys. Another interesting guy in that division, if he's going to keep fighting in that division, I think that's re-entered that division is Rockhold. Mm. Um, I yeah, think he's that he's a, yeah, I think he's an interesting guy. Um, I don't know, man. Like that, I but didn't I don't like see him at light heavy again. Especially, it was just I don't know. I think I was a bit of a stone throw with him at light heavy. I think the problem with some of those guys, if they go up to like heavyweight, is that they lose the attributes that made them Good great it. middleweights. So for 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 Rockhold, it's his length. 
and his size over the Weidman as well, my opinion. Mm. I think I think guys like Israel and Rob would do well at middleweight because they carry with them uh, speed and mobility, which is at light heavyweight, it's only going to be accentuated. They will be at a size disadvantage, but speed kills, you know? So I think yeah. guys like that can make a, a good transition in, into light heavyweight. Uh, you know, Rob's height kind of reach will, might be a little bit of a factor, but he, he that ability to cover distance at light heavyweight and how hard he would hit and how hard he hits at light heavyweight. Yeah, he walks, he's a big guy, man. He walks around close to 100 kilos, man. Yeah. You know, lean. So, and, that, and then also going up in weight, like with Rob, when he fought at welterweight and then come to middleweight, and he's just starched everyone, but easy. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, so yeah, I, I rock hold the middleweight as well. That that impresses me. I, I, I think he, but I don't know. I don't know how he'll be now at middleweight. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't see any of them beating Rob, to be honest with you. Yeah. I think his toughest match is Israel. And I agree. I think, but, but, but having said that, I'm not saying none of them will beat him. I'm not saying that because, you know, these guys, I'm not trying to sound disrespectful or dismissive of them. I just see him being entering. He's about to enter his prime, mm. you know, and I think that, you know, you haven't seen his prime yet. And Rob's not even 30 yet. I like, think he's 30 now. He's 30. Yeah, like, yeah. and that's still young. I hate when, another thing I hate is like, well, once people hit 30, there must be this taboo. Maybe because I'm a bit younger, people, when they hit 30, they think you're old. But really, you're just fucking scratching the surface. Of the, like, <laughs> yeah, I think I think it depends as well, like the wear and tear you have on your yeah. body and all of that. I think that they're, they're things that, that matter a lot. Um, but, you know, he had he had a couple of surgeries you know, when he was out for the, for that time, but the luckily, none of those. Yeah. But, but none of those were like, like there's a difference between even trauma to your knee and you having a bad knee. you got a bad knee. Like, you know, your, your, the articulating surfaces of your, of your bones are shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, that, that's different. Yeah, exactly. Right. I, another division. I don't know if you find exciting is a featherweight. I mean, with guys like uh, Zabit and the creativity and is it Ortega? Ortega Fazate looked good yep. last one as well. And even and I thought that was going to go a lot closer with Korean Zombie. I thought so too. Yeah. And then you got Connor who could come back down if he wanted to. If I don't think Connor will make that yeah, yeah, ever again in his yeah. life. But if he wanted yeah. to for a big fight there, he's got options. You know? I, I don't know that he could, yeah. man, to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah, okay. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know because he's gone up to welterweight. You know what I mean? Like he can yeah. he can fight comfortable, reasonably comfortable at at welterweight. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe he can. Who knows? Yeah, it just seems to me that it's just you know the sport itself. The beauty of it is that it's so uh, develop. It's always developing. It's always getting better. And there are these guys that come in like Cam's at and you know guys like Zabit, who's I love. He's so creative with his striking and everything else. It's just like. It is the evolution is getting so crazy, especially in the last five years in UFC. Yeah. 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 No, I, I, I didn't know if you were asking me a question. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. Just oh, saying, yeah, I was just saying what you <laughs> I was just saying. That's why I was like, fuck, I wonder if I should answer. But there was <laughs> no bad. question was in saying, there. I was just saying uh, what you th- like thought about that as well and the whole progression of the sport itself and how it's going hand in hand with the popularity. 
I, I think that what when as more money starts to go into the sport, more money starts to go into the fighters, you're going to see people that like that this whole Eastern Bloc kind of guys like ex-Eastern Blocs, ex-Soviet states that uh, have always been tra traditional hotspots of combat sports like Uzbekistan, Kazakhstan, Tajikistan, um, Armenia. <laughs> yeah, everything yeah. with a stand. Um, <laughs> Armenia, Georgia. Uh, uh, like I'm, I'm, forgive me for ones that I've left out. Mongolia, uh, Turks, all the Turks. Um, all, all that region, right? That whole, that whole region, all the Caucasus Mountains, all those areas. Um, they've all been traditional hotbeds of combat sports, you know. Um, Iran has always been very good at combat sports. Uh, really, really good wrestlers, judos, boxers, all of that. Once there's more and more of that money coming through, I think you're going to see even like the next level of guys that are going to come through. Because uh, at the moment, like the guys that you're seeing coming through, like the Khabibs and, and all of that, this is taking nothing away from Khabib. But these are guys that, these are not like the top tier wrestling guys from Russia, not, not even close. You get what I mean? Once you get a guy that maybe at 21 years old or something goes, I won a gold medal in wrestling and I'm now transitioning to MMA. You know what I mean? That's when you're going to, and, and not just one guy, because that guy might not be that good at whatever, might have a glass jaw. I don't know. Yeah. But you, you see over the span of five or 10 years, you see a hundred of those guys do it. You know, the same way that you see boxers medal at the olympics early 20 21 22 years old and then go pro like they'll medal at the olympics and they'll go pro and get big contracts and do really well in in, in boxing not always but a lot of the times once you start to see that that people go i'm going to medal at the olympics and then go to mma that's going to be my thing the judos the boxers maybe taekwondo guys the wrestlers whatever all of those guys when they start going I'll medal at the Olympics and get a massive contract in MMA. And I'll do that. That's going to be like the, because it's still not like the thing that they're all thinking of doing. It's still not, not like boxing. Boxing is I'll medal and I'll more than likely you're going to turn pro. Yeah. Once that starts happening, I think, and you start to see a big influx of guys that spent all their formative years in government programs in wrestling in wrestling in the usa it's kind of there where you're starting to see it a lot like the wrestlers go from college to thing to blah 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 but once that becomes a thing where everyone's doing it i think like it's going to go even higher like places like cuba like yoel his story is like when they go from a young age and it's just all they do with that program and they just live with the wrestling yeah but that that's yeah. like that's like all, all those countries have yeah. their, their programs like that like australia has that with swimming you know we don't have that with like at the AOS and regional centers, you know, but once you start having it, like what, once that becomes the avenue for it, you're going to see more and more of those guys from Eastern Bloc countries from all over start to, to go. And that level is going to get really high. Yeah. yeah. Really, really, really high. You know, and, that, and when they see that level, it's like, um, you know, it's like, what like people haven't seen it before so what the fuck how am i going to answer for that it's like 
we know what Khabib's going to do. We know what's going to come out. But how are you going to answer that when they're so good at it? And that's the thing about it. It's like, well, you do your best to try to stop that. <laughs> well, when you Dude, don't know. <laughs> that level's so high. high. Like, yeah. When, when, I was, when, I, when I was working with, um, like with the national team with wrestling and that, and we'd go to world juniors and world seniors and that, you've got to understand, like, say someone like Hamzat uh, Chemayev, Right, he finished third in Russia as a junior at under twenties, right? Um, like under twenties, bronze medalist in Russia. That level is so high because what you've got to understand is that there's been plenty of times where the number one Russian gets injured, whatever. So the reserve goes in, and then the reserve gets a gold medal. Right, so that guy that finishes third. In, in the Russian system as a junior and proofs in the pudding, he went on and won the Swedish nationals, right? The Swedes are not wrestling powerhouses, but, but they can wrestle. Um, the, the Finnish get, get medals. So Scandinavia does have decent wrestlers if you, for you to train with and all that. No, we're not, not on the same planet as the Eastern Bloc, uh, as Cuba, as the United States. No, 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 not like that, but, but still decent. But what I'm trying to say is this guy that finishes in the top three in wrestling in Russia as a, an under-20s, they would more or less make most national teams outside of the Eastern. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? So It's like the um, USA basketball team. It's like there's so many guys who don't play in the starting five who would make every other country starting five easy. hundred <laughs> percent. The guy that number ranked 25th in, in the NBA right that would never make the dream team would make any other maybe i don't know yugoslavia not maybe but every any other they'd make any other national team for sure no one would kick him off do you know yeah. what i mean no one would kick the 25th best nba player off their fucking national team it's the same thing with the russians in wrestling it's the same thing it's at that level so the level's very very high when those guys start to go it's better for us. But don't forget that if you are a gold medalist like Gatsalov or someone like that, if you're a gold medalist in Russia in wrestling, you are pretty much like right up there with whatever. So maybe they don't need to go to MMA. Do you get what I mean? Like, yeah, exactly. I, I don't know. Exactly right. Who do you say is the best wrestler in MMA at the moment? Or grappler? I think Khabib's the best grappler because he's yeah. the one that gets it done. Yeah. If you if you ask me who the I best did. wrestler is, it's Cejudo. Yeah, he's got yeah. the gold medal to prove it. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. But, but here's the thing: I can't wrestling, currently. yeah, wrestling, just wrestling wise, the difference would be huge between them. But overall, grappling that what Khabib is able to do to people, and he's able to do it. It's 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 Khabib. He's been able to. Do that to every single person. person. <laughs> and no twenty nine. Yeah, no one has answered that at all. <laughs> so it, he's definitely got the most effective grappling in in MMA, and uh, and his wrestling is what allows him to impose his ground game. Mm. So I have to say him, but Sahudo for for sure. Another guy who I think is going to be really really good in the years to come is Aaron Pico from. Um, uh, I've seen a cup one or two. Is it Bellator? Well, yeah. Is he a flyweight? Uh, no, no, no. He's like a featherweight. Featherweight. Yeah, yeah. He, yeah. I knew he was light. Yeah. Yeah, he's he's very, very good. He was a very, very solid wrestler. 
very, very good. Like international world juniors, all the, world juniors. He medaled at world juniors. So he's a very, very good man. He's a very, 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 very good wrestler. You know, and I think you're going to see in the coming years, once he gets more and more experience, he'll be very hard to beat. How did, how did you, what did you think about the Gaethje and Khabib fight? I mean, did you at all give, well, obviously you give Gaethje a chance. Like he's an extremely impressive young fighter. Did you, what did that almost go that what you would have thought when you were watching it? What did you think your comments on that? On the podcast, I, I said that the place that I saw the biggest difference occurring was if um, Justin put, this, I said this before the fight, if, if Justin got put on his back, that would be the biggest difference because as far as grappling-wise, like jiu-jitsu, et cetera, Khabib is much better than him on if he gets Justin on his back. I'd see him in the stand-up. I didn't see Justin being that much better. Do you get what I mean? So I, I don't know that his stand-up is better than Khabib's. I didn't think it necessarily was. Um, but that's where Khabib's going to have the most trouble with Justin um, and then the folk style I wanted to see if Justin was going to be able to do stuff I thought if Justin can stop those takedowns um, it, it will start to get harder for Khabib but you saw what happens so I mean nothing Khabib does really is going to shock me man like it's so good man yeah it's so it's fucking like good you just know he's so good at what you know. Like, you know it's going to happen. He's so good at it. And it's just up to you how good you can stop it. But no one can. Like, that's all we see. Yeah, um, he's, he's very good at that. He's very, very good at doing that. And he's very good at making you fight his fight and at him controlling the distance and him controlling the tempo of the fight. And I don't even see, even if he did fight Tony, that it wouldn't have been too different to the result. And you may or may not agree that we saw with Gaethje. You know, as good as Tony might be off his back in his jiu-jitsu, um, I just don't see that it could have been that different. The beeps are so good. I, I I, don't know because everyone's different, but yeah. I think Tony Ferguson, my opinion, if I had to put money, I'd put the money on Khabib just because I don't see Tony Ferguson. But the thing is, you don't know because you might cut yeah. him or something. You know yeah. what I mean? You might cut him, but I don't see Tony Ferguson being able to like I've seen him held down by wrestlers enough times, you know what I mean? And Khabib's going to hold you down. That's what he's going to try and do. And Tony doesn't have that one shot, bang, knocks you out, like, consistently, you know what I mean? Like, I'm sure he's knocked people out, but he's not Connor who hits you once and hurts you, you know bang. what I mean? Um, he's not, there's there's guys like that that, that have that knock-you-out power, you know? Um and I don't see that happening with Ferguson like that. Like so, in Garnu. Like, but yeah, I don't see it. <laughs> it's like a truck. Yeah. <laughs> but it, should be, it should be illegal for him to fight. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, but uh, I, I, like, I like him and I like the sport, but I don't see that fight. Oh, oh, it could be wrong. With him in Miocic again, I don't see it going too different to the last one. If Stipe is so good at doing that again, and he is a great, a very underrated, I think, champ. Deserves the credit gets. I don't see that going too different in the first fight, in my opinion. But that again, one, again, like yeah. yeah, that one's always an X factor. I'm a Mitchich fan, but it's always an X factor because when you have someone that hits that hard, that hard 
it's very hard to gauge, man. It's very hard to, to, um, like you can't, you can't, you can't put a value on that. You know what I mean? How hard he hits. Like that knockout with Rosenstrike. <laughs> you remember that in the first it's, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's too, it's too much, you know, like he, how he knocked out over him, how he knocked mm-hmm. out like everyone, you know. And the thing is, a Mitch can do this is when you a guy like that, you have to get him moving, yeah. especially a heavyweight. So if you can catch a single leg, and this is armchair quarterback here, man. <laughs> but if you have to be able to shoot in and make him sprawl, grab a leg. You have to be super fit. Grab a leg, make him hop, make him hop, make him hop. Because there's a lot of weight to carry as a heavyweight. You know, make him hop, make him hop, make him hop, and just... Keep him doing that. First, second, third round, you start to wear him down. Wear him down. Yeah. That's the only. That's that's like, you know. But it's, you know, you you can catch hot ones on the way in too, though. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. And there was a little bit like that in that first fight, where the third, fourth, fifth round, where Stipe was just like controlling, he was controlling yeah. everything, everything in that fight. But a tough fight, man. Yeah, that's a tough fight. That's a really tough fight. It's it, it, it's and that's a good thing about so many good tough fights there's matchups to be made everywhere it's a good when you have someone when you have someone that hits like that though that hits so hard you know and is so aggressive and so mean you know like you it's hard man you can't you 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 can't not respect that you know what i mean you can't you can't yeah you can't just think nah he's only got to catch me once but he could that's the thing he could catch you once 100 yeah you know and those gloves don't have a lot of give, man. Nah. Like we were talking about it before. Like you got four ounces. Even if I cover like this, you have four ounces, and the guy punching you has four ounces. That's eight ounces. You know that that are that are stopping the shot. That's like a a, a boxing match, eight ounce glove, hitting Bang. you flush in the face, anyways, yeah. and you're not blocking it. You know, and you've you got with that- boxing gloves that extra bit of defense with the size of the gloves as well. Yeah, like, like that's it, how it shows but, the UFC. But but it it's like imagine if I, that's like eight ounces combined, right? Saying eight ounce boxing glove. That's the same as me hitting you without you covering. Is if you block like this in heavyweights with four ounces and the guy punches you with four ounces, that's eight ounces. Like you may as well. It's like you letting someone hit you flush with, <laughs> with no with with a boxing glove. Yeah. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, and that that adds that whole different dynamic to how hard Engano can and does hit. <laughs> He'll kill you, dude. He'll kill yeah. you. Oh, he so. will. Oh, for sure. I thought Rosenstrike was guilty. Looked like he was out. Yeah, out. it's it's scary, man. Like when yeah. you when you see people get hit like that, mm. it's fucking horrendous. Yeah, it is. Not not for everyone, but and for on you on a, a personal note, Fab. On another note, what's uh, you've mentioned that you're in. The consulting side of thing. What what else do you have to see out the year, mate? What are you hoping to, I guess, get through for the rest of the year? And what other things do you have planned? I'm looking at doing some postgraduate study, either in psychology or like social work, mental health. Definitely in the mental health field. I'm not exactly sure which which way I'm going to go right now. Um, I'm enjoying doing some of the corporate mentoring and corporate training that I'm doing. Um, the skills are extremely transferable. It's, it's coaching. It's just the same kind of coaching. So I'm looking at 
at combining those two things and and just seeing where it goes and honestly man i'm just really 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 enjoying spending time with my daughter uh, with my wife my dog i'm um, learning to surf um that that's that's a major thing but but as from a work perspective i suppose what you're asking me um just that the, the corporate training and that and going into the mental health side of things and um i'm enjoying doing the podcast so i want to continue to do the podcast um and yeah that's that's all everyone make sure you go check out grange tv podcast it's a sick can podcast I, <laughs> thank you mate can i can i ask you your yeah. surname pekin pekin yeah yeah where what, what background is that uh my dad's actually like aussie but my mum is filipino your mum's filipino yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i went uh went back there last year and it was uh was a blood like again i went when i was 12 but it's a whole different dynamic when you go when you're 24 like two worlds apart like and opened my eyes again that was a life-changing experience but yeah is, my mom's Filipino. but is that is that is she like um chinese background not nah, full filipino yeah. and it's picking a, a tagalog oh, surname nah aussie dad's aussie yeah i've never even heard of that as a as a like an Australian, like I've never. <laughs> People think like because they used to call me Peking Duck, like the food. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah but nah, nah it's uh, from Dad's side, believe it or not. And uh, yeah, I think he's got some Irish or something back there. But yeah, Mum's Mum's. That's where I get I guess the, the. Is your mum? Is your mum Tagalog? Is she dark? Is she like a? Dark? Nah, she's got more of the Spanish side. She looks very like light color, um, not not dark skinned. But yeah, she's Tagalog. Yeah, and, and from Manila. Okay. Yeah, she looks oh, very cool. Spanish. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. your mom can speak Spanish? No, nah, she looks very Spanish. But, ah, okay. But, and the, like their language is a lot like, you know, from Spanish language as well. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Can you speak Filipino? Tagalog, nah, not well. I want to, I should. I should, but I eat the food and I, I bloody love it. <laughs> Does your mom cook that like a lot? yeah heaps i try it's the hardest temptation every day it's a battle i go like she's cooked something and sometimes she strategically just leaves it there on the table to see if i eat it and then try to psych me out and she loves it but yeah, yeah old fucking <laughs> my, my daughter my, my wife is chinese russian oh, my, yeah. my daughter looks like she's straight out of like a kia ad like she looks like she's <laughs> korean or something she doesn't <laughs> She does not look like me, like at all, at all. Like not even, not even like a little bit, you know, she looks exactly like my wife, but because she's, she, but she's even looks more, she looks more Asian than my wife. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's crazy. Like if I'm with her or something, I don't think there's anyone that thinks she's my daughter. <laughs> not what's, even your, close. what's your background, Pat? My mom and dad are Uruguayan. Ah, there you go. Yeah. They're Uruguayan. And like, I came here when I was five. I did kindergarten and that here. But yeah, my daughter is not, does, uh, we're going to do a DNA thing. Because <laughs> it's, it's gone beyond the joke. I'm, I'm the laughing stock of the community, yeah, you know? Just, you might have to just have another one just in case. Yeah, just, just to see. Just to see. Yeah. No worries, Fab. I better let you go, Bella. I appreciate No worries, you. mate. Thank I you. you heaps. I hope you enjoyed the chat. I did. I loved it. Thank Me you. too, man. Thank you so much. Yep. Thanks heaps, man. I really like it. How about that for an episode, guys? I hope you all really enjoyed that one. 
quick shout out to my man Michael Peters, the man behind the camera, and also big big love to Three Hour PC for allowing us to utilize the studio space. Without you guys, none of this would be possible. So big thank you. Please make sure you all follow at a chat with Pat on Instagram. Subscribe to the podcast via Spotify and iTunes, and please don't be afraid to leave a review. We are open to all feedback to make this as good as possible for all our listeners. Stay safe and all my love, guys. You.